It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast. City to city, coast to coast. It, it's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Good Thursday morning. Welcome into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Ryan Hickey Show with you right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We are back. Missing Monday's show. Went skiing over the weekend. Went ahead a little uh, Pocono Mountains. Went to the Camelback. As you can see, if you're watching the live stream, my, my arms are attached. My legs are here. Thankfully, escaped with no injuries. As you can see, or maybe as you can tell, not the most experienced skier in the world. Only hit the greens. I mean, let's be honest here. I'm not going down Black Diamonds. I'm not going, you know, not going to the top, top of the mountain here. But, hey, still either way, hit some greens, survived to tell the tale, and we are back here on, uh, on Thursday. A very enjoyable trip for sure, uh, but it is very, very exciting and very great to be back with you guys right here, as we always are on the Worldwide Sports Network, coming to you live from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios, with its great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners. All three, the trio. Check out Big Italy Pizzeria in person, Medford, Joe's Pizza and Bayshore, or online, wherever you are on this great planet, at BigItalyPizza.com. So today's show will be both current and past events. Obviously, um, of course, how things on this show work. The biggest breaking news usually happens the furthest point from the next show, and that was true last Thursday. We sign off. Literally an hour later, after we sign off on Thursday, boom, Carson Wentz traded to the Colts. Such as a Colts fan, hopefully you enjoyed the instant reaction I did uh, either on, on Twitter if you're following at Ryan Hickey Show or on Instagram if you're following also the same handle at Ryan Hickey Show. If you didn't like it, if you hated it, my apologies. I'm sorry. But if you liked it, hopefully you found it enjoyable. That was the goal or funny or any one of those combined. I give you my full thoughts. Two reasons why I love this trade for the Colts and from their perspective. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Kevin Mather, the now former CEO and president of the CAL Mariners, uh, had some interesting words, to put it lightly and to uh, put it simply, about his own team. And basically about the status of baseball. One of... I want to kind of use his words because, to me, this isn't just a Kevin Mather problem. This isn't just a Seattle Mariners issue. When he said to me, rings true for a lot of baseball. We'll discuss that to end the show. If you missed it, I'll catch you up as well on his thoughts that came out over this past weekend as well. Russell Wilson, could he actually be traded? Now, the Seahawks say no. But now, as we sit here on Thursday, a few weeks after he made his infamous remarks first on Dan Patrick's show, then to Seattle media, complaining about the offensive line, wanting it improved. Now there's a price that is starting to come out for a potential Russell Wilson trade. We'll tell you what that price is and could he actually get traded. We'll get to that. Um, another big quarterback situation seems to be solved, and that is Big Ben returning to the Steelers in 2021. Steelers are in cap hell, to say the least. They, they are way over the cap. Big Ben is a massive cap. But he actually has the biggest cap currently right now at $41.2 million of any player in the NFL. So obviously that is untenable for the Steelers if they want to bring him back. Um, but it seems like they will work together. The two sides will work together in order to get some sort of contract done to bring Ben back in 2021. Is that a smart move? Not only give you my thoughts in 15 minutes, we'll also talk to the very talented host, guy who has boots on the ground in Pittsburgh. 
Andrew Filipponi of 93.7 The Fan. He will give us his perspective. Should the Steelers bring ben, Big Ben back? What is the fan take? Do they want Big Ben back, or are they ready for um, someone else? So we'll get into all of that as well throughout the show. Andrew will join us at 940 Eastern um, here, at least on the East Coast. But I do want to start here with some basketball and with the Los Angeles Lakers. Because this was, you know, in terms of games in February, a meaningless game. Most NBA games are in the regular season, right? Is that to be fair? I mean, Jazz Lakers last night, no Anthony Davis. The Jazz are, are cruising. I'd be really surprised that the, the Jazz won. And they crushed the Lakers, 114-89. 22nd win in a row. Oh, not in a row, excuse me. 22nd win for the Jazz out of us 20. Is there anything? I don't even know. Is there anything hotter than white hot right you have red hot and i think we all agree white hot is even hotter than red hot is there anything above white hot because whatever that is that is what the utah jazz are right now 22 wins in the last 24 games they have been cruising they have been rolling but should there be concern about the los angeles lakers should we be taking a pause should we be actually feeling some sort of legitimate worry that maybe this team either isn't good enough to win the finals Maybe this team truly isn't as good as we thought. Four losses in a row now for the Lakers. Five and five on the season without Anthony Davis. Obviously, as we know, he'll be out for at least, the very least, the bare minimum, a few more weeks until after the All-Star break. At the very earliest, if I'm the Lakers, I push that timeline back and make sure he is very healthy. Not even a, a question before he returns to the lineup. Because that, to me, is the only concern about the Lakers. Watching that game, instead of watching them get, get run out of the gym, especially early on, starting really in the second quarter when the Jazz just took over and, and really made the game over by halftime. By 16 points at halftime, the game is over. So my only concern with the Lakers, coming out of a February 24th game, in which their second-best player, one of the best top five, seven players, depending on how you feel about Anthony Davis in the league, missing. My only concern, and all this does coming out of yesterday, was reaffirm that the only concern for the Lakers, the only thing that could take them down in my mind is health. And I should say, really, lack thereof. Because as long as Anthony Davis returns, and he returns healthy, in my mind, at least, I have, no I have no doubt the Lakers will be fine and they will make a deep run to the Western Conference Finals, probably the Finals, and if they get there, honestly, I think they will win the championship and go back-to-back. Because they still, even with AD out now for 10 games on the season, they still have the best defensive rating in all the NBA, and they get that much better defensively when Anthony Davis is in the lineup. He's a great rim protector. Makes everyone else around him better. And he, he makes it life a lot tougher if you are an opponent trying to score and trying to get some points on the Lakers. Anthony Davis is there being athletic, protecting the rim, and forcing shots outside. So if anything, what last night did, and it helped reaffirm, not that there was much doubt, but I, I think it really concretely puts it in all of our minds that this team can't win a title without Anthony Davis. Now, I'll be honest, maybe that's an obvious statement to you, and maybe it's an obvious statement now. Like I said, four losses in a row. They're 5-5 five five without Anthony Davis, and a lot of these losses have come to, I mean, let's be honest, bad teams. Now, the Jazz are obviously not in that situation, but Thunder, the Lakers struggled with. They lost to the Wizards. Like, like they, uh, they have lost, and they have struggled with some bad teams of late during the stretch. So, sure, maybe it's obvious to sit here and say that, wow, the, the Lakers need Anthony Davis to be healthy in order to win a title. No doubt. But with the way LeBron was playing up to this point, I, I don't think that was as much as a, as a confident thing you could say then as you can now, that the Lakers need AD to be healthy if they want to win a title. Because even at his age, and we highlighted last week, 36 years old, 
even though he's technically in terms of games played on his 21st season in the NBA, you count all the playoff games, which is just insanity. LeBron was still the lead candidate eh, a third of the way through the season for the MVP award. He showed no signs of slowing down. He actually looked better, to be honest, this year than he maybe at points last year, despite the fact that it was the shortest offseason of his career. Still playing more minutes. And again, still getting up there in age and getting up there in terms of minutes played. But now you see the leg is starting to slow down. The shots are starting to become short. He's really struggling from three, especially in, in the month of February. And that rang true again last night. Missed the free throw the other night against the Wizards short, which would indicate tired legs. This just shows you LeBron at his age now is at the point where he cannot take a team to the finals on his own like he did in Cleveland all those times. He can't. And that's not, not an issue, not a problem. That's really not maybe something that's even that earth-shattering of a statement to make. So, I'll be honest, at least in my mind, looking at LeBron, watching how he's played, I wasn't totally ready to write the Lakers off if, let's say, AD was out for the year and that injury came two weeks ago. Because even still, LeBron James is playing some of his best basketball. And Anthony Davis, to be honest, hasn't really even played that well so far this year. He hasn't played like vintage AD. He hasn't played like he has at points in the bubble last year. He's been okay, but, you know, his career numbers are down to, or his numbers this year, I should say, are down to what his career numbers are usually uh, throughout his tenure in the NBA. But they need him in the worst way to be healthy and to be 100% if this team wants to win a title. LeBron James. Admits that he told, said it last night. It's tough to play and tough to win without one of your best players on the team. It's challenging for all of us, um, you know, especially for some of our young guys and some of our guys that haven't been in this position before where they need to uh, do a little bit more than, you know, what they're asked in, in a normal situation. Uh, you know, and, you know, everyone's, uh, you know, you know just, just speaking about AD, and obviously that's a big hit, but we also haven't had Dennis along the stretch for a few games, too. You hear LeBron say, too, during two of their best players, two of their three best players, because Dennis Schroeder's been playing great this year. So sure, maybe we could come on here, or maybe some people, I should say, would come on here and start casting doubt about the Lakers' future, about their chances to win a title. But look at the lineups right now. Look at what the Lakers are trying to work with, with Anthony Davis out. It's forcing, uh, not just Anthony Davis out, Dennis Schroeder out as well. You're forcing everyone to punch above their weight, and right now, everyone on that team is not able to do so. And look at, let's look at just last night, for example. No offense to this player because he's been very nice. And in his role, when everyone is healthy, he's, a, he's, a, he's great at his role. 10, 15 minutes a night. That is Taylor Horton Tucker. If you haven't heard his name, there's a reason for it. He's starting. Started last night, played 30 minutes. Yeah, that's, that's a major issue. When this guy is playing Anthony Davis minutes without his production. So again, there's no reason to be concerned because you know what? The main player in the Lakers who isn't concerned, LeBron James. He said even though the stretch has been rough, he has confidence they'll figure it out. It's always about staying confident, uh, continuing to give my teammates the, the courage and the, and the confidence out there on the floor and uh, to make plays. And, uh, you know, it's a tough stress for us, but, um, you know, if, uh, you know, this won't uh, define who we will be for the rest of the season and, and for, the, for the long haul, that's for sure. I totally agree. Sure, this is a rough patch now. Sure, this is – Ugly at times, right? Especially getting run off um, on the floor by the Jazz on a national televised game. Not great. LeBron looking slow, looking maybe even tired, if you will. But to me, there's no reason to be concerned. And if anything, 
come out of this game, the Lakers sh- should be even more motivated to push Anthony Davis's timeline back and make sure he is 110% healthy before he returns to the court. So obviously, as we know, with the Achilles calf injuries, so Kevin Durant, he returned too soon in the finals when the Warriors were taking on the Raptors. What happened? After a quarter, boom, popped the Achilles, missed the entire year, the following year. Lakers have to be 110% sure Anthony Davis can return healthy, not have the Achilles be a worry, uh, a concern, really, and make sure that really, by playing on it, he won't injure it or re-injure it more. Because as, as long as he's in the lineup, this team will be fine. So if that means holding him out an extra week, extra 10 days, maybe even extra two weeks, that's okay. Don't worry about seeding. There's no reason. Because as long as this team's healthy, honestly, in my mind, there's, the seeding doesn't matter. Home court, as we know with the arena, some filled, some not. Worst case scenario, you're playing in a 20% filled arena. Home court advantage is not going to be that important. Health is. So, give us your thoughts. Are you concerned at all? Get blown out, run out of the gym by the Jazz SI. Are you concerned at all about the Lakers? Is this just, again, a little bump in the road when we look at this team two months from now be laughing at all those people who are trying to write the Lakers off or, or show some real concern about this team? Comment on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Boom, comment on the live stream right there. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, WWSRN underscore radio. Tweet me directly at Ryan Hickey Show. So when we come back, Big Ben seemingly, unofficially, but now we're just kind of waiting for the I's to get dotted and the T's to get crossed, will be rejoining the Steelers as long as this contract is renegotiated and be the Steelers quarterback in 2021. Should the Steelers want Ben Roethlisberger back? Is this a good move for Pittsburgh going in 2021? I'll give you my thoughts. Sexton is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome on in, or I should say really, welcome on back into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The NFL quarterback carousel has been spinning. So far, we've seen Jared Goff, quarterback of the Rams, traded to the, uh, to the Lions. Lions then traded their quarterback, Anthony Stafford, over to the Rams. Colts made a move. They got their quarterback for the future, at least for the immediate future here in Carson Wentz. The Eagles, it looks like they will roll with Jalen Hurts in 2021. The quarterback carousel is busy. Some familiar faces are changing teams. As we know, obviously, last year, Tom Brady leaves New England, goes to the Buccaneers, wins a Super Bowl. And now we will see um, more and more and more teams, or I should say quarterbacks changing teams, and less guys starting their career in one place and ending it in that same place. But potentially, one quarterback that could be doing that in his career, start his career in what team, end it with that same team, is Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. Because there was questions, there was concerns, there was doubts at some point of what the Steelers were due in 2021 with their quarterback position. And it seems all but certain now, unofficially at least at the moment, but just some contract negotiations that at least Big Ben seems open to um, negotiating with. Steelers want to have Big Ben back. So, again, unofficially it seems like ben, ben, Big Ben will be back with the Steelers in 2021. You have the owner president of the Steelers, Art Rooney II. 
He met with Big Ben back on Tuesday. So it was a very productive meeting. The next step in this um, situation to get him with the Steelers in 2021, negotiate his contract situation, as we mentioned before. It is untenable for the Steelers to bring Big Ben back at his current contract. $41 million cap it. 41. The highest of any player in the NFL. Steelers currently right now about $20 million over the cap. So you do the quick math, they're $20 million over. Big Ben, $40 million uh, cap hit for 2021. Something has to get there. It seems Big Ben is willing to give. Steelers are willing to obviously work on that contract negotiation to knock it down. And again, it seems at least Big Ben will be back in 2021 for the Steelers. Seemingly, maybe his last, who knows, we'll see. But if it is, he will at least end his career where it started in Pittsburgh. And at least to me, right, the Steelers obviously have a great defense. They started off the season 11-0, win the division, go 12-4, and but ultimately lose in the first round at home to the Cleveland Browns in a game that really wasn't close at all. I mean, 20 nothing in the first quarter. But even goes further than that, as we know, really the last month or so, um, Pittsburgh did not play good football at all. They really did not look like a playoff team. And whether it was Big Ben running out of steam, the offense coming, becoming predictable, there was a lot going on there that really led to the downfall of the Steelers, a lot on the offensive end. But with that said, when you look at where the Steelers are right now, heading into next season, when you look at where Big Ben is heading into next season, this is one of those perfect matches. Because in my mind, at least, the Steelers need Big Ben next year, and Big Ben needs the Steelers. So sure, upgrade, maybe. But in my mind, at least, this is the perfect match, and I think it, if the Steelers want to have any sort of success in 2021, if their goal, which what they state is to win the Super Bowl next year, this gives them the best chance to do so. Here's why, at least in my mind, the Steelers need Big, need Big Ben. An upgrade isn't realistic. And like I said, look, let's just call for what it is first, and let's take a, a quick trip back down 2020. The offense, especially the last five, six weeks of the season, the offense ran out of gas. The offense absolutely was not explosive. They struggled, especially Big Ben did, mightily throwing the deep ball. Their offense was way too predictable, in part because they had zero running game. Dead last in the NFL and trying to run the ball. So no run game. Predictable. Couldn't throw the ball down the field. Your receivers dropped a ton of passes. That, in the end, again, led the Steelers to an 11-0 start, maybe 16-0 conversation, right, joining the uh, 72 Dolphins. But that led to a first-run exit in the playoffs. Not great. Very sour taste that was left in your mouth if you're a Steelers fan or if you're looking at the Steelers situation heading to next year. But with that said, he still did throw 33 touchdowns last year. He only threw 10 interceptions, and the Steelers had a 12-4 record. So with that said, even with the issues the offense had last year, even though they were, by the end of the year, one-dimensional, even though it was pretty obvious, Big Ben ran out of gas, couldn't really throw the ball deep. The receivers, again, were not winning routes. They were not catching the ball. They had really no even hint of a run game, no prayer of a run game. With all that said, with all that negativity ending the year in 2020, I'll ask you this question. Where is an upgrade? Who is coming in next year and taking this offense to the next level? Who is coming in and making the Steelers a bigger threat in 2021 than they were in 2020? Because, again, let's also not forget the circumstances here. The circumstances play a major role in this factor. Steelers are in cap hell. Obviously, they were not uh, anticipating a global pandemic to shut off a massive part of the revenue stream. They were not uh, ready or prepared, nor should they be, 
for the salary cap to go down in 2021 instead of going up like it has for every single year for the past 15 years. So now, when you're over the cap, when you got to make cuts before you can even bring someone in, and you got to remember, no matter what happens with Big Ben, if you cut him, he retires. Even if that happens, he still counts for $22 million on your salary cap. So he's going to be on the books next year, no matter what, whether he's there or not. So when you get rid of him, boom, there's a $22 million cap hit sitting right there, hanging on your books, dragging you down. So if you were to move on, if Big Ben wakes up, let's say, this morning, says, you know what, I really don't want to play. I don't feel like my arm hurts. I don't really feel like getting hit. I don't want to go through training camp. I'm going to hang it up. I'm going to retire. Or the Steelers take it one step further. They get crazy. They say, you know what, on second thought, Big Ben, we're going to cut you. Not, not next year. We're going to go somewhere else. We're going to try something new. What quarterback are you bringing in? Who, again, don't forget, the quarterback situation already has a $22 million cap if Big Ben is not there. Who are you going to bring in? Who are you going to pay? Despite the fact you don't really have much money to spend in the first place, there'll be a better upgrade. That'll be a bigger upgrade, I should say, than Big Ben. Is it going to be, you know, a guy already on your roster, Mason Rudolph? And let's not forget, Mason Rudolph basically had a tryout already. 2019, Big Ben plays a game and a half, injures his elbow for the year. There were points in, in that 2019 season, Mason Rudolph couldn't even hold off Duck Hodges to keep the starting job. Sure, they, they went 8-8, eight and, eight, and that was, honestly, I give Mike Tomlin a lot of credit, and that defense a lot of credit for even getting to that record. But let's not forget, just 2018 was just, you know, just around the corner. It wasn't that long ago. Are we really going to roll in with Mason Rudolph at quarterback in 2021 feeling better than you would with Big Ben at quarterback in 2021? I'm not. I'm not taking that risk. I think we, we've seen enough from Mason Rudolph, in my mind, to say, you know what? Uh, I'm good. I, I don't need to see that for another year, another full year. Like you did in 2019. So what other options are out there then? If, if you go outside of the organization, if you want to bring someone else in that's currently a free agent, I mean, do you want to go Mitch Trubisky? Is that what your whistle? Here comes Mitch. All right. Couldn't even hold off Nick Foles. Bears back their way to the playoffs. But yeah, he's going to be a big upgrade coming in this season for Pittsburgh. Andy Dalton? Andy Dandy Dalton? No, no thanks. I'll take Big Ben. Jacoby Brissett, I like Jacoby Brissett. He is another guy, though, when you look at his play, very cautious as a quarterback, not willing to really push the ball down the field. He has the arm strength to do so. He doesn't take many chances. He doesn't take many risks. Well, that's going to lead to another stale offense that is one-dimensional. That, as we know, just had some main issues coming down the stretch in 2020. I think, you know, sure, it would be a little bit younger version for Big Ben, obviously, than, you know, Jacoby Brissett's obviously a lot younger than Big Ben at 39 next year. But still, is that an option that gets you and raises your ceiling? I don't think so. Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, for a game, sure, he can, he can be better. But as we know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, very inconsistent. He's a roller coaster ride. He'll play great for two or three games, and then he'll be the reason you lose two or three games in a row. I don't think the Steelers won't want to go for that. Terod Taylor? Same, I mean, same thing. Like the, I'm, I'm trying to give you some names. I'm trying to give you some realistic names here. Because, again, price is going to be prohibitive. You can't trade for Deshaun Watson because you can't absorb his contract unless you want to basically cut half the team and give up a ton of draft picks, which will help lower your cost overall the salary cap by drafting younger players. Obviously, they're cheaper. So that's basically not an option. Russell Wilson, same thing. Even if he's not, I don't think he's going to get traded this year. But even if he is on the block, you can't trade for him. Dak Prescott, same thing. 
too expensive. So now you're stuck fishing at the bottom of the barrel, trying to look, trying to sort through, see who is an upgrade. None of these guys I mentioned are anywhere close to an upgrade. The one name I left off on purpose here, because I tried to give you realistic options, was Jameis Winston. I personally am a Jameis believer, if you will. I think his time in, in New Orleans, I think, will make him a better quarterback. He ha- has to get coached out of making some bad mistakes. If he's with the right offensive coordinator, if he's with the right coach, with the right team, I think they can coach him out of those mistakes. His arm talent is incredible. He can make any throw he wants on the field. And he will throw a gorgeous interception. I mean, a, well, he will throw some gorgeous interceptions. He'll throw a gorgeous touchdown as easily as he'll throw a bad interception. So he, he has the arm talent to get the job done. But also at the same time, when you look at all the other teams that need a quarterback, that, like the Steelers, by the way, are lower in the draft. The Steelers are 24. You're not drafting a quarterback at 24 to take over. Unless you want to, again, trade up and give away a ton of assets, cost-controlled assets that right now you need because you don't have a lot of cap flexibility. Jameis Winston, I think, is going to be a hot commodity on the market. The Saints and Sean Payton have already expressed their desire to want him back. I think you look at a team like the Bears in the same situation as the Steelers. The Washington football team, same situation as the Steelers and Bears. But they have a defense ready to win now, and they need a quarterback to elevate the offense. I think the, the Jameis Winston market could, despite again, despite the fact that the last time we saw him as a starter, he threw 30 interceptions. The only quarterback in the NFL history to be in the 30-30 club. Usually that's a reserve just for baseball. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. The last time we saw him, I was, you know, he led the league in, in interceptions. Ended his career in Tampa Bay by throwing a pick six in overtime to end the game in week 17. So he can lead the league, uh, the league in passing yards. He can throw, throw, uh, throw a ton of touchdowns, but he can also throw a ton of picks. But even that one year in New Orleans behind Drew Brees with Sean Payton, I think that will give teams enough confidence that he can be coached out of his mistakes. That I think the James Winston market in 2021 could be a hot one. Could be a competitive one to where, the again, the price would drive the Steelers out of the conversation. So whether it's Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky, Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Terod Taylor, I mean, none of these guys are coming in and getting the job done more than Big Ben would. So why not just bring him back? Steelers using the cost analysis here in the right way. It's going to cost, you know, you're, you're going to basically have paying Big Ben whether he's here or not. So when you look at the other options, I'd rather pay Big Ben to be here and maybe hopefully squeeze some more life out of his arm one more time. They get rid of him, still have to pay him anyway, and then on top of that, bring someone else in who marginally is a little bit younger, sure, but are they really that much better? No. And let's just say this. In my mind, I don't think the Steelers are winning a Super Bowl next year no matter who's at quarterback. Like I said, the, the options just aren't there. And even Big Ben's play, I'm not, I'm not, I really don't think Big Ben is that good anymore, to be honest. But that's where the, the Steelers are kind of stuck. They really don't have much wiggle room. They don't really have any avenues to go. So why not bring back your franchise guy one more time, have one more go around, try to win, see what happens, and then once the cap goes back up, once you have some more financial flexibility, then maybe you can go make a trade for a big quarterback. Or maybe they could go try to trade up and try to identify the next franchise quarterback you want to lead your team for the next 20 years. So from the Steelers' perspective, that's why I think they need Big Ben because the options just aren't out there for them 
to make a move anywhere else that is better, that will elevate this offense and elevate his team more than Big Ben would. And if you're from the quarterback perspective, if you're from Roethlisberger's perspective, he needs the Steelers. Because guess what? He's not. He's no Tom Brady. Let's not forget, last year, Tom Brady, again, 42 or 43 years old, going on the free agent market. Obviously, not a lot of teams are, are going to be jumping for joy to sign a 43-year-old. There's a few teams that around, obviously, as we know, the Tampa Buccaneers get him, land him, win his Super Bowl. Big Ben is not going to be like Tom Brady next year. He's not going to go to a team like Washington, like Chicago, even Pittsburgh, where they are a quarterback away from legitimately being a Super Bowl contender. He is not that quarterback away to get them to the Super Bowl. Maybe if you want to be like Peyton Manning in his final year, hanging off for dear life with an elite, elite, elite defense, like historically good defense. Maybe, but there, there's no defense like that out there right now. So if he was to get cut, if he was to retire, if he didn't want to take a pay cut and felt disrespected and wanted to go somewhere else, I don't really know what the, I don't think there is a market for him. Like, honestly, what team is out there that would say, oh yeah, he's an upgrade over what they have? I mean, honestly, if I'm the Washington football team, I look at Taylor Heineke and how he played, <laughs> it's crazy to say, how he played in the playoff game and say, you know what? I'll roll with him over Big Ben. Bears? I mean, uh, that is, again, maybe Sam Darnold in, in the trade market. I, I was, it was someone I would feel more comfortable with. There was just not a lot of teams in my mind. There's not really any team. In my mind, I could view Ben Roethlisberger as an upgrade over their current quarterback to try to get them to a Super Bowl. So I don't think Big Ben wants to be embarrassed where if he gets on the open market somehow, whether by his doing or the Steelers doing, I don't think he's going to have a market. I don't think there's going to be teams clamoring to sign him. So if he wants to play next year, which is obviously why he's come back, and he said multiple times, I want to play one more year, he needs the Steelers because it's not for the Steelers. He's not playing next year. Or if he is, he's not going to, you know, He's going to, have to be in a backup role, and I don't see him at his stature with his legacy doing that. He's not going to be signing up to be a backup. So just as badly as Big Ben needs the Steelers, in my mind, I think the Steelers need Big Ben. So I actually think this is a great move for Pittsburgh on both ends. I really like this signing. I think this is going to be the smartest thing for them in 2021. And again, it doesn't make them a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl anyway. So why not run it back, use Big Ben as a placeholder for one more year so you can finally find the franchise guy when you have financial flexibility, when the cap goes back up, and that way, then you can really make a, a big push to find the next guy for the next 10, 15 years. But I don't think, at least in my mind, the move is right now, ditch Big Ben, bring in another one of these stopgap guys for a year, and then, try, again, try to find somehow in 2022, somehow, whether it's trading, whether it's drafting, whatever it is, identifying trying to fit or find your next guy. So here's your thoughts. You like the Steelers bringing Big Ben back. Is this smart for them? Is this their best option for 2021? Or is there a better option in your mind? Do you like Mitch Trubisky better? Do you like Mason Rudolph better for the Steelers than Big Ben? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show. Also on Twitter, if you want to tweet me there, you can write on the Periscope live stream, which you can find on the, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Twitter account at WWSRN underscore radio. Comment on the live stream on Facebook, which is on our Facebook page, Worldwide Sports Network. So get your thoughts. And when we come back, we'll get the thoughts of a man in 
Pittsburgh, the heart of the city, if you will, for where Big Ben is going to return, does he like the signing or re-signing, if you will, and the Steelers uh, bringing Big Ben back? Do the fans like the signing as well? We'll discuss with Andrew Filippone, 93.7 The Fan, tremendously talented host. He will join us next. It is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome on back into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Ryan Hickey Show with you right here until 11 a.m. Eastern. Some big Kodak news we just discussed. Big Ben, seemingly unofficially, will return to Pittsburgh in 2021 for one last dance, it seems, between the Steelers and Big Ben. We will go out to Pittsburgh now. A man with boots on the ground right there in the heart of Pittsburgh. Discuss if he likes this move, what the fans are thinking. It is the tremendously talented host at the Fan in Pittsburgh, 93.7. It is Andrew Filipponi. Pony, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes, man. How are you? Ryan, great to be on with you, buddy. Uh, we haven't talked about your uh, Colts and Carson Wentz, so I don't know how you're feeling about that. I don't know if we'll get to that in this conversation, but uh, right about now I might take Carson Wentz over the Steelers quarterback situation. That's about how depressed I am about the whole thing. I don't know. That really doesn't speak for all of Pittsburgh, but I know in the Filipponi household, the last couple of days haven't exactly been uh, celebratory. How about that? Really? So I'll ask you, so yeah. why, do you, why do you hate it then? Why do you hate Big Ben coming back? Well, first of all, you know, even the Big Ben – psychophants out there the people that love him unconditionally and i don't really get that you know i understand there might be five to ten athletes at a given time that people follow and root for more than a team you know your lebron's um michael jordan in his day tom brady now probably right tom brady exactly that's a good that's a very good one you know ben roethlisberger is not that kind of guy and especially in pittsburgh it's not like fans here you know, if given an option, would pick Roethlisberger, or at least they shouldn't pick Roethlisberger over the Steelers. So, you know, I'm going to go with what's best for the Steelers over what's best for Ben. Uh, the guy's made made almost $200 million. Actually, he's probably made more, a quarter of a million, a quarter of a billion dollars in his career. So he's made his money. I'm not really all that interested or, um, you know, all that excited about him getting an extra payday. So, you know, with that being said, uh, I just don't think the Steelers have any shot of competing or contending for a Super Bowl next year. I think their absolute best-case scenario, absolute best-case scenario, is to be a team that backdoors its way into the playoffs and maybe sticks around for, at most, two games. I mean, that is if everything breaks right for them and they get all kinds of luck next year. You know, what's probably more likely, Ryan, is that they go out and win probably with Ben back at quarterback between seven uh, and eight games. And I just don't really – that doesn't – that's not worth the farewell tour for me, a seven or eight win team. And the, 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 the last point I'll make before you ask me another question is, you know, the people that are excited about this, let's wait and see – what the agreement is between Roethlisberger and the Steelers, because I'll tell you what, I don't think it's going to be a pay cut, Ryan. And I think he might find a way in this new deal 
to get more money and more years out of the Steelers. And I think at that point, some of the fans that are you know, jumping for joy over this might have a different opinion of it if it goes down that way. I, th- I mean, at this point, with the way, I mean, unless he's just totally swallows his pride and will take the veteran minimum, I think an extension is coming just to spread that money out, which will be interesting, like you said, to see what happens in 22, 2022 and beyond. I'm just curious because I would agree with, with you in that whatever the Steelers do in my mind in 2021 at quarterback, they're not going to be Super Bowl contenders, right? Last year, getting off to 11-0 start, that was – and really, we truly know the last month, six weeks of the season were really, for the most part, how this team is going to be heading to 2021. Yeah. But you look at – he's going to be in the books anyway, right? $22 million, whether he's cut, retired, and obviously now if they want to restructure, he's going to be on their books in 2021 no matter what happens. They're in cap hell. They really don't have many other options. So, at least for me, I like the deal more because – who else are you going to get? Like, no matter what happens, you're not going to be a Super Bowl contender. You're not taking down the Chiefs next year. You're probably not even taking down the Bills or even the Browns next year. So why not just roll with the guy that's been there for the franchise for 15 years and at least just have him be the stopgap guy instead of trying to watch, I mean, Mason Rudolph, Mitch. I mean, you want Mitch Trubisky, Ryan Fitzpatrick next year? Like, that's the thing. They don't really have many other options to go no, to. No, I, I don't want them because I've seen some of those ideas floated out there. I don't want – Tyrod Taylor, Andy Dalton, Ryan Fitzpatrick, to me, that would defeat the entire purpose of moving on from Roethlisberger this year. Right. You don't move off of Ben for veteran quarterbacks that also have very pronounced, well-established ceilings. We know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. We know what Andy Dalton is at this point. Um, I want – I don't like – just to be – I don't think Mason Rudolph is a good quarterback. Okay. However, however, I think the Steelers internally, I think they have a higher opinion of Ben Roethlisberger than most of the NFL. And I think they have a higher opinion of Mason Rudolph than most of the NFL. So my number one concern here is that, the Steelers are going to try to placate Rudolph and tell him this offseason in the form of a new contract, you know, stick it out as Ben's backup for one more year, and in 2022, we'll give you a shot to be our franchise quarterback. You know, you're a Colts fan. The same thing that the Colts did when Luck up and retired, and they gave Jacoby Brissett that deal, Ryan. Mm-hmm. That's yep. what I'm afraid of. That they're going to say, hey, Mason, we know this sucks. We keep putting off giving you a chance. So you're a free agent at the end of the year. This is his last year, 2021. Here's like a new two-year deal. The first year we pay you like a backup. The second year we pay you like a starter. That's what I'm worried about, that this is going to be a two-year process. One last go-round with Ben and then Mason Rudolph gets his shot next year. And that's just dragging this whole thing out, in my opinion. So we're talking to Andrew Filipponi, very talented, 93.7 The Fan Host out there in Pittsburgh, at the Pony Express, Pony, P-O-N-I, uh, on Twitter if you follow, want to follow Andrew there, and a guy on CBS Sports Radio that I got to Bruce for for a, very, uh, a few weekends. So that was a, a lot of fun as well on Saturday mornings, 10 to 2 Eastern. Um, but I guess I'll ask you this, Pony, because I'm with you. Mason Rudolph stinks. I mean, you know better than anyone watching him on a weekly basis. Wasn't 2019 enough of a sample size, though, to say, hey, this guy just doesn't, doesn't have it? Like, are they really going to give him another tryout, if you will, after essentially he had a tryout in 2019, and he couldn't even hold off Duck Hodges for the full year? 
I know. I agree with you on that, but I don't think the Steelers see it our way. I mean, they were talking about how when Rudolph came off the bench in the Jets game in 2019 in week 16 and made a few throws before he got injured, that it was some kind of epiphany for him. And after the season, they were talking up the game he played against the Browns in week 17, a gotta have it game for the Browns. And actually Rudolph's game against Cleveland in week 17 was better than what Big Ben did against him in, a, in the wild card round. Ryan, I think they're delusional all the way around. I Jeez. mean, the, 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 state, the statement that Art Rooney put out said, you know, Ben, we want you to come back and help us win a championship. They're not winning a championship next year. There's no way. You know, part of the reason why I wanted them to look at 2020 the way that the Buccaneers looked at 2020, bring in Fournette, bring in these guys on one-year deals, throw everything you've got at the 2020 season is because I knew that for 2021, they were going to lose a lot of guys in free agency. It's just the way the contracts were written up. And so you're bringing back big Ben to quarterback a watered down version of the 2020 Steelers. You said it, the 2020 Steelers don't let the record fool you. They weren't some kind of great team. And Ben broke down, down the stretch the last five or six games. And I just wonder at 39 years old, what's to prevent something like that from happening again? I mean, you might have, you might have an Eli Manning moment here, Ryan, where it's very obvious next year that Ben has lost it. And they're going to have a hard time, I think, yanking him out of the lineup. I just, I think they, they don't want Ben's last image to be on that bench in tears next to Marquise Pouncey because they think that's an embarrassing way for him to go out. I don't know. I think this year, this upcoming season, is going to have an even worse ending for the Steelers than Big Ben. <laughs> I'm with you there. That's Yeah, like you said, I mean, at least they made the playoffs last year. That's, oh, man, you're right. It's, I mean, Ryan, you say bring him back. I what do. What kind of team do you think they are right now? You think they're better than the Browns and Ravens? No, I don't think they'll be any good. I'm with you. I think best-case scenario, they're a six or seven seed fighting in, in that realm with the Raiders, let's say, teams like that fighting for a playoff push. I don't think they're anything you know, anywhere good. Like the Bears. To me, they'll be the Bears of 2020. They have uh, a very good defense. No you know, no real hope or a prayer on offense. And you just hope that you get off to a good, a hot start and maybe something clicks. But I, that's the thing. Either way, I don't really – like this team is not going to be that good. They're going to be nowhere close to a Super Bowl contender. So why not at least stick with the guy you have there one more year and figure, you know, figure out next year when you have cap space, when you have financial flexibility, maybe you can – you know, you're more willing to give up draft picks either for a trade. Maybe Russell Wilson comes free. Who knows? Like, ne next year, at least to me, seems more – you're way more able to get a franchise guy in 2022 than you are right now. So why not just keep the franchise guy you have now for one more year instead of, again, going for the Mason Rudolph experiment, going for an Andy yeah. Dalton? Unless, I mean, should they tank? Should you use well, this year think, just to be like the, well, the, the Patriots? Look, their defense, well, the Patriots went 7-9, and nine, so if they were tanking, they That's did a true. bad job at it. That's true. Um, you know, the Steelers, the defense is very overrated because it doesn't come through in big games. I mean, that's just I – would, I would look Toblin or T.J. Watt or Cam Hayward or any of those, those guys in the eye, and I would say that, and I would feel emboldened to say it because the late season collapses and the playoff losses back that up. And you hear every friggin' excuse in the book – from Steelers fans that are loyal to the Hill and think the organization is always right. They had injuries, no doubt, but every team has injuries. 
Um, Devin Bush was only in his second year. Bud Dupree was was Robin to T.J. Watt's Batman. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to hear that because of those two injuries. Now, you know, that gives you an excuse for the way you played against Cleveland in a playoff game when they didn't even have a friggin' coach. They didn't have an <laughs> offensive line coach. And offensive linemen were introducing themselves to Baker Mayfield in the huddle. So I don't want to hear any of that. They didn't sack him one time. Um, so their defense is overrated. But to your point, the defense is still good enough where – you know, I have a hard time thinking that they'd be three and thirteen or four and twelve mm-hmm. bad. You know, I agree. But you got to remember this: they went six and ten the year before. The, the in two thousand three they went six and ten. Mm-hmm. In two thousand four they drafted Ben Roethlisberger. So losing ten games set them up for the next twenty years. That to me is unequivocal fact. If they go. If in 2003, if Tommy Maddox wins eight games, they never get Ben Roethlisberger. And the whole course of Steelers history is different. So I think that there is. People say, well, what's the difference between eight wins and six wins? It might be your next franchise quarterback, because that might be the difference, Ryan, between, I don't know, five or seven or eight slots in the draft. And, you know, you might have to – so let's say you go 6-10 and 10 with Mason Rudolph. You might be picking 12. Well, the quarterback you like might be, you know, targeted for the eighth pick or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to go from 12 to 8 than it is to go from, like, 21 to 8. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get it. And I think, and I think that the Steelers, look, they've done some things. They traded up for Devin Bush. They traded up once upon a time to get Palomalu. I mean, they won't just stand pat in the draft, but they've really got to love a guy to do that. I'd rather have them give me all the draft capital possible. Ryan, I don't need to watch a competitive football team next year. I've watched them. They've had eight and eight or better since 2004, okay? For the last 10 years, they've won three playoff games. I'd rather for one year, I keep saying this, I'd rather have them take a step backwards for two step forwards. So I'm doing everything. Like, I don't want their defense to be great this year. I want there to be holes. I want them to finish it. Honestly, I want them to finish in last place. I want the Bengals to be better than them. I'm keeping my fingers crossed Burrow comes back and has a big year. I want him to be bad because in the NFL, if, if you're not going to be a great team, it pays to suck. It does. So Absolutely. that's kind of what I'm rooting for right now. Right? I agree with you there. The worst spot to be is 8-8. Eight eight. Stuck right in the middle where kind of the Steelers are, despite their record being better. You, when you're stuck, oof, man, it, it's tough to get out from. Andrew Phil Pony, 93.7 The Fan, afternoon host, tremendously talented at the Pony Express, P-O-N-I, on Twitter. What are the, all right, so you obviously don't like Big Ben coming back. Uh, what's the fans' perspective? What's it been like at the station last few days? People calling – in agreement with you, disagreement, is there a consensus one way or another? Yeah, I mean, it's a, no, it's, it's about as polarizing oh boy. as it gets. It's, it's about, it really is, you know, it's 50-50. It's probably a little bit more 50-50 because, you know, we're a show that deals in reality. And even though I did a show with Roethlisberger for a long time, and I'm very fortunate to have been, to have, you know, done a show with him and established a relationship. I'm also not going to BS people, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying that Ben can't make it make a few more bucks and keep playing. I just don't want him to play for the Steelers. I'm not telling him <laughs> that he needs to, you know, retire. 
I'm that he that he's the worst quarterback of all time. But I'm saying I don't think it's in the Steelers' best interest. So it's 50-50 on our show with the fans. I would say on some other shows that might be a little bit nicer to Ben. Uh, it might be 60-40 in his favor, but not much more than that, Ryan. That's really not. I mean, you know, it's even, you know, even with some of these other guys, you know, Juju when Pouncey retired, you know, people aren't aren't like, you know, crying, singing the blues because Pouncey's gone, or you know, because the team's not going to be able to keep Juju. Like, there is a big part of uh, the Steelers nation of Steelers fans that wants to see them maybe not rebuild and start over, but turn the page on a new era of Steelers football. And it's really hard to do that with Roethlisberger. You know, one of my other big fears, Ryan, is that they're going to use a first-round pick on a running back to try to solve that problem, which would drive me nuts. And a lot of people now, I've heard it from two or three people, that if Harris is there at 24, they might take him. And that would drive me I mean, they'd, oh, they'd, they'd have to up the dump button on our show. They'd have to put us on a 60-second. They might have to put us on a 90-second delay Holy that day. Cow. It would be that bad. Yeah. I, I'd go on a limb here and say I think you'd probably get another prank call from Ken Carmen if uh, if they take Najee Harris in the first round. That is for sure. That's how bad it's gotten, Ryan. <laughs> is that we've got The Browns are host. clowning you. <laughs> they're, they're trolling us. They're dunking on us. And I can't even – I can't even fight back because of how the playoff game went. I have no I, – I, I'm fighting this battle with one hand tied behind my back. I have no chance. It's sad. It, it really – the tables have turned it, it dramatically, <laughs> very quickly. Yes. So we'll finish off with this last question for you, Pony, because we are in agreement at least that next year is a lost year for the Steelers no matter what happens at the quarterback position. Yep. Is their best bet going forward – like you said, some, some fans want them to tear it down. Is it better to tear it down – Try to go in the tank for a year, maybe two, get some draft picks, try to, like you said, maybe trade up or get a franchise quarterback through the draft. Or is this a team where, hey, like you said, you know, maybe you, you sign TJ Watson, maybe the defense still is pretty good. And next year, maybe Russell Wilson is, isn't happy in Seattle. Maybe, I mean, I don't know about you. I don't think Dak Prescott's going to be around long term in Dallas. He could be available on the free agent market next year. Is this a team for either series? Is the best direction for them? Tear it down rebuild, re-hit the reset button, or is this a team where, you know, you tread water this year, maybe 7-9, and nine, and then be like the Buccaneers, let's say, of 2020, maybe next year in 2022 where you're a quarterback away yeah. from really getting back to the top? Right. So that's why I said before that, you know, you move on from Ben and you see what Rudolph has. You let him sink or swim, likely mm-hmm. sink, likely <laughs> won't play well. And I would, even, I would even throw in there, you know, if the guy's not in the strip club <laughs> – even if he is in the strip club, I might give Haskins a shot. I'm serious, you know. I mean, at least, at least, oh, at least man. give, at least give yourself an honest evaluation of the young quarterbacks that you have on your team. One you always talk about. They always bring up this first round grade on Mason Rudolph, even though they picked him in the third round, uh, and picked his teammate James Washington ahead of him. So mm-hmm. that never made much sense to me. And then Haskins legitimately was a first round pick. So I'd rather do that. I'm not saying like the Dolphins did, you know, trade Minka, trade TJ Watt. You know, I think you want to keep those guys around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then what I'm really what I'm really getting at here is I want in, in the 2021-2022 offseason, I want every available option to get a franchise quarterback to be on the table. I want them to have a high enough pick where they can maybe draft someone there. I want them to have 
you know, a high enough pick where if they need to take a first round pick, Ryan, and trade it in a package to get a franchise quarterback, you have that. It's a more appealing pick. Um, you, if so, for some reason, it's like a, it's like last year where there's three or four or five guys on the free agent market. Well, then you've got the money in the cap space to go out and bring another one of those guys in. Remember, no matter what they do with with Ben Ryan, if they do a restructure with him, you know, at some point that dead cap hit, which they're, I think they've got it projected at like 14 million. That's going to affect if he retires after 2021, that's going to kick in in 2022. And look, I know the cap will probably go up because of the TV dollars and the pandemic going away, but still, I mean, you're going to have to deal with that. So that's my answer. If you're a six and 10 team and you've got every option to find your next guy in the next off season, that's what I would like to see the Steelers do. It's going to be fascinating. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm sure Pittsburgh uh, radio will be a lot of fun between now and the end, really this time next year, seeing how this year goes. 93.7 The Fan Afternoon host, Andrew Filipponi at Pony Exp- or The Pony Express on, t- uh, on Twitter. Excuse me. Pony, thanks so much for the time, man. I really do appreciate it. Ryan, any time for you. You're the best. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. I'll see you. See you later. There you go. He's anti-Big Ben. No shy. He wants him to come back. Mason Rudolph. Hell, Dwayne Haskins. He said pull him out of the club to, uh, to start for the Steelers next year. It is fascinating. But we are in both in agreement. I think Big Ben Lisa is smart for the Steelers, but we are both in agreement, as you heard. No matter what happens next year, Dwayne Haskins, Mason Rudolph, Big Ben, this team is at best a borderline playoff team. The AFC is getting a lot better, and it is the young quarterback league. Look at the NFC. You have Tom Brady. You had Drew Brees kicking this past year. A lot of the young guys, a lot of the young guns, Aaron Rodgers still obviously in Green Bay at his age. A lot of the young guns, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow coming up now. We'll see what two if he can develop. The AFC is a young man's league. And right now the Steelers could be running the back with a 39-year-old quarterback. It'd be very fascinating to see what their next move is. So we talked about it a little bit. One option, potentially on the table, is Russell Wilson. At first, obviously, as we know, he voices displeasure with the offensive line in Seattle. Then eventually he um, he did talk to reporters, talked to Dan Patrick. Voices a displeasure. Seahawks uh, said, no way, we're not trading him. When I hear reports, a price is out. A price is coming out. We'll tell you what that price is. And is it possible? Is there any shot in hell? Russell Wilson could get traded this offseason. We'll discuss next. This is Ryan Hickey right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back Welcome to back the Ryan Hickey Show. Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome on back into the Ryan Hickey Show right here with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio. We're coming to you live as we always are. Every segment, every hour of every show from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios, where it's great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners. Check out Big Italy Pizzeria in person in Medford, Joe's Pizzeria in Bayshore, or online at BigItalyPizza.com. 
You just heard the voice of Andrew Filipponi, 93.7 The Fan out there in Pittsburgh, boots on the ground in the heart of the city where Big Ben is seemingly making his return for 2021. All really is left to do is negotiate a contract. The Steelers want Big Ben back. Big Ben wants to go back to the Steelers in 2021. It seems like every union is all but inevitable in 2021 down there in Pittsburgh. And you heard Pony just say it. He is not a fan of that reunion. He'd rather roll with Mason Rudolph in 2021. Hell, even Dwayne Haskins, if need be, in 2021. Kind of flush those guys out if you'll leave no doubt for the Steelers organization that those guys aren't franchise options. Because your opponents say he believes that the Steelers are higher on Mason Rudolph than most teams are. So could it be crazy that, hey, you know what, like, maybe we'll put Mason on the bench one more year and then give him a shot to be the starter in 2022. It's almost similar to when, Jamie, uh, when Drew Brees got hurt. Taysom Hill got paid by Sean Payton, and Sean Payton real, um, religiously said he believes Taysom Hill is a starting NFL quarterback. So what happens, right? He's on the bench. We see him sometimes come in as a Wildcat quarterback for a few plays. But other than that, there was no actual look at Taysom Hill at the quarterback position for a longer time in a real game. I'm sure Sean Payton guys look at practice, but never in a game situation. What happened? Drew Brees got hurt for four games. Taysom Hill comes in. Well, all of a sudden, Sean Payton's like, oh, boy, <laughs> this guy's not that good. He is not as good as we thought. And now what do you hear? We'd love to, hear, we'd love to have Jameis Winston back. So I get what Pony's saying. Maybe it's a summer situation where the Saints were enamored, and Sean Payton specifically was enamored with Taysom Hill. Kind of always kind of hung his hat on, eventually you'll see. He has a lot of potential. He could be a really good starting quarterback in the NFL. Then you see him in game action, like, oh boy, never mind. Never mind. I wonder if that's going to happen in Pitt. Well, obviously it's not, but with, with the Steelers thinking in Mason Rudolph, having that same sort of philosophy. Then at 2019, we saw him enough. He wasn't that good, but maybe, you know, he's learned a lot. We like what he does in practice. They were impressed, you know, in Week 17 against the Browns. He almost led them to a victory there and almost knocked Cleveland out of the playoffs. Maybe they'd be crazy enough to think that Mason Rudolph legitimately is an option for the Steelers in 2022, which if that's the case, man, oh, boy, you're in big trouble if you're a Steelers fan. Big trouble. Do you have any thoughts? Is it good for Big Ben to come back to Pittsburgh in 2021? I think so. This is their best option. They're not winning a Super Bowl anyway. So if I'm a Steelers fan, I'd rather see Big Ben under center than Andy Dalton, than Mitch Trubisky, than Mason Rudolph, than Terod Taylor. None of those guys get me going. But I will take Big Ben as the best hope to win a Super Bowl in 2020. So you have any thoughts? Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show. Also on Twitter if you want to tweet me there directly. Comment on the Periscope live stream if you're watching on Twitter. Or comment on the Facebook live stream as well, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So we talked about a quarterback coming back in 2021. Most likely that has been Roethlisberger. What about Russell Wilson's future? Because right now how I view Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, their relationship to me is like a married couple. That right now is on a rough patch. Right? They've been together nine years, which, hey, it's a pretty long time. Marriages ago nine years, you know. Sometimes the voice gets stale. Things just, you know, stall out. Maybe your voice isn't being heard. And then maybe there, there are some patches where questions about the strength of the marriage get brought up. Maybe questions about the future of the marriage get brought up. But what happens? When those questions are thrown out there, maybe even some doubt creeps in. What happens? Some tests 
occur, right? Maybe if you are feeling like your significant other, if your husband or wife isn't maybe listening to you as much, maybe is taking you for granted, you put some tests out, you put some feelings out to maybe test that theory in your mind one way or another to see if that's true. Maybe if you're on the other side, if you're a scorn lover, you try to go above and beyond. You, 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 know, you go one extra step to show your affection, to show your true love. Maybe it's doing a nice deed, or maybe you heard the wife nagging you about cleaning the house. Eventually, you know what? You say, I'm going to clean the house without her asking. You know, there's always different ways to either throw tests out there or try to, you know, test the relationship, test the strength of the marriage, if you will. Um, try to get an answer one way or another. Well, that's how I view what's going on right now between the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Because Russell Wilson right now is testing the Seahawks. He put out there a few weeks ago, first on the Dan Patrick Show, then talking locally to Seahawks reporters, that he was upset about the offensive line. He wanted that fix, and he essentially was saying, I want my voice heard in this organization. I have made requests in the past. I have tried to use my influence to get some decisions made on the offensive side of the ball to help this team get in the right direction to win a Super Bowl. It's fell on deaf ears. So now Russell Wilson is putting the Seahawks to the test. And sure, I don't believe divorce is imminent. I don't think he's getting traded this offseason. But what he is doing is he's laying the foundation, in my mind, for a trade to come down, potentially, in 2022, depending upon how the Seahawks react to this test. So according to reports, and again, remember when this all first came out, Russell Wilson voices his frustration, wanted more influence, and used the offensive line as his target to get his message across. Right after that happened, right after Russ voiced his frustration, right after he was asked by Dan Patrick, hey, well, are you on the trade block? Would you get traded? Russell Wilson said that's up to the, the Seahawks to decide. You know, it's their decision to make. The Seahawks came out right away and said, we are not trading Russ. Definitively, defiantly, he is going nowhere. But now what's happening? Slowly, over the past few weeks, you hear some rumblings of the contrary. Mike Silver, NFL Network, reported that over a third of the league already called the Seahawks to inquire about a trade for Russell Wilson. Now, a lot of teams, that's on them doing their due diligence. That's not the Seahawks calling teams. That team is calling the Seahawks. But from what Mike Silver gathered from talking to these teams, making the calls to the Seahawks, is that the price, the starting point for a price for Russell Wilson would be three first-round picks. You want to say John Schneider, the general manager of the Seahawks, he's the kind of general manager that will listen to offers. He will never shut his ear. He will never close the door and never not listen to an offer, no matter who the player, no matter what the offer is. Now, the opposite, as we see in Houston with Nick Casario, their general manager, is that, again, he reiterated this morning to reporters. They are not trading Deshaun Watson. They are not even listening. The phone's ringing. He's picking it up. Hello? Boom. Hanging up. As soon as I'm sure he hears the word, boom, hang up. Not entertaining it, not even listening. Well, John Schneider is different. He's listening. And from what Mike Silver could gather, the starting price would be three first-round picks. So here we are. Seahawks to finally, we're not trading, we're not trading, we're not trading them. Now there's a price being leaked out. Now there's a price. So maybe, again, there's no way he's getting traded this offseason. That is my belief. That's really not a hot take. That is pretty factual. But this is going to be very interesting now because this could be, again, laying the groundwork for a potential exit from Russell Wilson in Seattle in 2022. Because, again, let's just look at what Russell Wilson is complaining about. It's not the offensive line. He used it as the target. He used that as the excuse to voice his frustration. 
But it goes beyond just the offensive line itself. It goes beyond just the sacks and just getting hit. Because Russell Wilson is more than anything frustrated that his voice is not being heard. He watched Tom Brady leave New England after 20 years, go to Tampa Bay, have Jason Light, the general manager, have Bruce Arians, the head coach, listen to his input. He is coming to them. He is coming to them, and they listen to his input on personnel decisions, on play-calling decisions. Right? He, he brought in Gronk. He brought in Leonard Fournette. He brought in Antonio Brown, especially Antonio Brown against the wishes of his head coach and Bruce Arians. They listened. The three of them were almost, you know, acted as one. The three of them always discussed each move together, and the group decided, is this best for the team going forward? If so, they'll implement it. If not, they'll move on. Russell Wilson wants that power, and he has earned that right to have influence in personnel decisions, to have a say in play calling and scheme on offense, and have input on team decisions, and he is not getting that. So you heard me say before, he deserves that right. So now the ball's in the Seahawks' court. It's up to them. Because if they maybe take this as a warning shot, because that's what that was, the offensive line comments were a warning shot to, hey, this is what needs to be fixed directly, but also let me have more say, let me be involved in personal decisions, and from there, I won't be going anywhere. So now it's on the Seahawks. They can listen, address the offensive line, talk to Russell Wilson, have him talk with Shane Walden, their new offensive coordinator, talk about play calling, talk about scheme, talk about what works well for this offense moving forward. And if that's the case, excuse me, he's not going anywhere. But if the Seahawks don't feel that way, if P. Carroll's sitting there saying, you're the player, I'm the coach, I make the decisions, sit down. If John Schneider's like, I'm the GM, I get paid to make the decisions. I'm going to be the one making the drafts. I'm going to be the one deciding the future of the offense, what pieces fit where, what scheme are we running on offense. Just to make sure we'll be talking about Russell Wilson on a new team. I truly believe we'll be talking about Russell Wilson on a new team. Because this Seahawks team is good enough to win the Super Bowl if they listen to what Russ says. You, you think Tom Brady just magically went to Tampa Bay and they won a Super Bowl? Just because he, he listened to everything Tampa Bay did? No. The three of them worked as one. Tom Brady had 20 years of experience. He knows what, what wins in this league. He knows how to get to Super Bowls. He knows what puts them over the top. He gave that winning experience, and Jason Light listened and acted on it. Bruce Arians listened and acted on it. And the three of them worked in concert together to get to Super Bowl and win. When it's Russell Wilson wants to do one thing. He has an idea for the direction of the offense. Pete Carroll wants to do something totally opposite of what Russell, or what Russell Wilson wants to do, easy for me to say, on offense. John Schneider is over here picking players for what his idea of the offense should look like. If those three are on different pages, we're going to see a repeat and, and the same cycle of the Seahawks go over and over and over again. Because they are good enough to go 12-4. and four. They're good enough to win the division and make the playoffs every single year. Russell Wilson is that good. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett are that dynamic. The, the defense has played better. They have enough good pieces. They have enough good coaching to win them 10, 11 games every single year. But what they are not good enough to do, if that's the case, if they, again, continue to work uh, you know, with heads butting against each other instead of working together, 
They will face embarrassing losses year in and year in the playoffs like they did this past year, losing to the Rams with Jared Goff, who basically had no thumb, and John Wolford starting the game at quarterback for the Rams. That's dysfunctional. Call what you will. That is dysfunction. When the quarterback, the coach, and the GM have three different ideas about what works on the offensive side of the ball, what players work best, what scheme works best, what play calling works best. So let's not forget, this is not the first time Russell Wilson has brought this up. I will, short of betting my life on it, I'll bet anything else that he has made this request, he has brought this concern up to John Schneider, to Pete Carroll multiple times in years past, and it's gone on deaf ears. That's why he's going public. He's not this guy that loves the attention, that loves the drama, that loves to stir things up. He's a team-first guy. We roll our eyes about how corny Russell Wilson is, right? He has all those cringeworthy videos. He's always about a positive mindset. He is not a guy that puts himself ahead of the team, ever. Ever. But he saw the writing on the wall. He saw what happens when this team continues to not listen to each other, continue to be on different pages when it comes to the direction of the team, and he knows what that leads to. Early playoff exits. Not getting back to the Super Bowl. Not winning a second Super Bowl with this group. So that is what Russell Wilson is saying. That's what he's trying to put the test to the the Seahawks. He is testing Seattle to see, will they actually listen to me? Will they see the direction I'm trying to put this team in? Because guess what? Is it fair to say Russell Wilson knows the best direction, what the best pieces are to get the most out of the offense? I think it's fair to say that. I mean, he's second or third best quarterback. He's a top three quarterback in the NFL. He knows what wins. He knows what leads you to the Super Bowl. He knows how to get the most out of himself, the offense, the team. Listening to him will get the Seahawks closer to that Super Bowl goal. Not listening, not being on the same page, would not only lead them to short and early playoff exits, it leads to Russell Wilson leaving the organization, asking for a divorce, getting out, going to greener pastures like maybe Pittsburgh, maybe Washington, maybe who knows? You know, there's, a, there's plenty of teams, trust me. There'd be at least 25 teams calling the Seahawks to try to get Russell Wilson. He'll have no shortage of options. So the ball's in the Seahawks' court. They want to listen. I think it's best for not only for them keeping Russ, but best for them getting to the Super Bowl. If they don't want to listen, pride gets in the way. If ego gets in the way, we'll see a repeat of 2020, and we'll see a new quarterback in Seattle in 2022. So I'm curious your thoughts. Should Seattle... Listen to Russell Wilson. Should players of that stature be able to give influence on team decisions, on personnel decisions, on scheme decisions? Do players and should players have enough power to dictate some of the terms that they think is best for the team? I totally do. I think it's to the betterment of the team, not to the detriment of the team. Love to hear your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. At Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. So get your thoughts. And when we come back, a week ago today, the Colts made a big move to grab Carson Wentz from the Eagles to have him be their quarterback for at least the next two years. Two reasons. 
Why I love this move for Indy, I'll tell you what those two reasons are next. It is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Funny how some things, things, you know, or should, I should say, let me rephrase that. Funny how sometimes timing works out perfectly. Literally, what, five minutes ago, I'm sitting here saying Russell Wilson isn't going to get traded in 2020 or 2021, excuse me. He'll be on the Seahawks next year, but what he's doing Voices, voicing his frustration, being upset um, about really the Seahawks not listening to him and wanting to get the Tom Brady treatment that Brady got down there in Tampa Bay. Wilson voices frustration with, with the offensive line in Seattle and was using that as a test to say, okay, will the Seattle listen to me? If they do address the offensive line, if they maybe hear me out a little bit more going forward on the direction of the team and the scheme of the offense and the ideas and so forth, I don't think Russell will go anywhere. I think he'll be right there in Seattle, and he'll be happy. But if Seattle doesn't listen, if they pull a Houston Texans, like what happened with Deshaun Watson, and instead they decide to go the total opposite of what Russell Wilson wants, continue to ignore his input, I think that will lay the groundwork for a trade in 2022. And of course... What am I scrolling upon on Twitter that came about ah, 10 minutes ago? According to the Athletics' Michael Sean Duggar, the Athletics' Mike Sando and Jason Jenks, three tremendously talented reporters at the Athletic, they are reporting that Russell Wilson's camp has broached trade destinations with the Seahawks for this year. <laughs> Just as I sit here and tell you, no way he's getting traded in 2021. Maybe at best 2022, a trade could come out if Seattle doesn't in, in, indeed listen to what Russ is saying and tries to ignore him like they've done the past few years. Michael Sean Duggar, Mike Sando, Jason Jenks are saying Russell Wilson's camp already right now is asking and broaching trade discussions, trade landing spots with the Seahawks if a trade was to go down. Some of the teams named in this are the Dolphins, the Jets, the Saints, the Raiders. And the report continues, some people in the NFL think a trade could happen, quote, in the near future, end quote. So scratch everything I just said from 10 minutes ago. There's a legitimate shot, according to this report, that Russell Wilson gets traded. Mind blown. Absolutely. I am just trying to process that, right? That is crazy. I will say this. Now, I don't think this is actually going to happen. But if I'm Chris Ballard of the Colts, we were just about to get to the Carson Wentz topic, which we'll push back for a little bit. I'm pulling a Josh McDaniels. Remember when Josh McDaniels agreed in principle to the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts in 2018? They win the Super Bowl that year. They beat the Rams. And after that, well, no, I'm sorry. That was the Eagles Super Bowl. I apologize. It's 2017. They lose to the Eagles in the Super Bowl. 
Then it was agreed upon that Joshua Tanner was going to be the next head coach of the Colts. He's going to work with Andrew Luck. They already had the coordinators, both the offensive and defensive coordinator, hired that Joshua Daniels wanted. All they are doing was a waiting game for Josh to have the season end. And he reneges on the offer. Yeah, I know I agree in principle. Yeah, I know it's a handshake deal. But you know what? Second thought, I'm going to stay here in New England. If I'm Chris Ballard, I'm calling up Harry Roseman and doing that same exact thing. Yeah, I know we just uh, traded for Carson Wentz uh, last week. I know it's literally, you know, the, the ink isn't even dry. Well, really, technically no ink because it's not even official yet. Yeah, I know we just traded for Carson Wentz just last week. Uh, by the way, it's not official. Yeah, unfortunately, we have to cancel that trade. Not going to happen. Other avenues have opened up. Other opportunities have come about. And I am making a trade, if, and I'm making a call, I should say, if I'm Chris Ballard, if I'm the Colts, get John Schneider on the line. Get Pete Carroll on the line and see what it takes to get Russell Wilson to town. Honestly, I don't care how many picks. Russell Wilson is in the Deshaun Watson boat. Three first-round picks, four first-round picks, five first-round picks. If you're the Colts, if you're the Dolphins, if you're the Jets, if you're the Saints, if you're the Raiders, the picks don't matter. Whatever it takes to get Russell Wilson, you got to do. Because you know what? Honestly... Is the likelihood, even if Seattle gets five first-round picks, what is the likelihood in your mind, if this trade does go down, of the Seahawks getting a quarterback even up to Russell Wilson's caliber, let alone better? Because that's why you trade someone. You trade him and get value. You trade because you think eventually the sum of the parts you get from that trade will, will equal or surpass the hole that was the player in Russell Wilson in this case. Even if it's five first-round picks, are they ever going to be able to draft somebody that will ever reach the caliber of play that Russell Wilson has reached the last two, three, four years? Uh, I mean, if it was that easy, wouldn't everyone have a quarterback of that caliber? Field Yates, and I wanted to get into this more, and we'll do it maybe on Monday. When the Carson Wentz trade went down last week, Field Yates tweeted out, there are zero quarterbacks drafted in the first round from 2009 through 2016 on their current team. Zero. 22 quarterbacks taken in the first round between 2009 and 2016. None of them are on the current team that drafted them. That shows how hard it is to identify and draft and develop a franchise quarterback. It is not easy. These guys do not grow on trees. We think it's easy. We think it's possible. We think it's a no-brainer. Oh, tank and you'll be fine. There's no guarantee. And any quarterback taken in the draft will succeed with your team for a multitude of reasons. So when you got someone, when you got a player there, you got to do whatever you can to hold on to him. Which, again, goes back to the reason why I don't get why the Seahawks wouldn't listen to Russell Wilson. I don't get the downside. I don't understand the, neg- the negative aspect of listening to what your franchise quarterback is saying. Like, honestly, what, what, what good would that do? He's saying it from a spot of helping the team. He's saying it from a position of trying to make the team better. And you're going to just flat out ignore what he is saying. Makes zero sense to me. So in case you're just tuning in, welcome. It is the Ryan Hickish right here on the Worldwide Sports Network. We just wrapped up a segment talking about how there's no way Russell Wilson will get traded this offseason. I think he's laying the foundation for potentially getting his out in 2022. Well, I am wrong. Because according to Michael Sean Duggar, Mike Sando, Jason Jenks, all three of those fellows on The Athletic. They're reporting that Russell Wilson's camp has broached trade destinations with the Seahawks. 
Some teams included, some teams named in these talks. The Dolphins, the Jets, the Saints, the Raiders. Some people think a trade could happen, quote, in the near future, end quote. So, maybe Russell Wilson's out, his ouster, is coming sooner than we think. But man, what a colossal mistake that would be for Seattle. What a disaster. What an embarrassment that would be if Pete Carroll and John Schneider put their pride ahead of a quarterback who, obviously, sure, when they won the Super Bowl, he wasn't the reason why they won. It was a defense. But he has successfully guided the Seattle team from the Legion of Boom, a defensive mighty team first with, a, with an offense that kind of sparted and wasn't great, to now the, the reason why the Seahawks are winning games, the reason why the Seahawks are winning divisions and making the playoffs every year is solely because of Russell Wilson and his, and his play. The Seattle Seahawks have made that transition pretty seamlessly to give them a lot of credit, to be honest. Sure, it was, it was rocky when you know, there's some, some big personalities from the Legion of Boom when Russell Wilson, when Cam Chancellor, when Earl Thomas, when other names on the defensive side of the ball were frustrated and the way Russell Wilson, especially early on in his career, was getting babied by the coaching staff. They prided themselves on competition. They were all about survival of the fittest. And then here's a guy, Russell Wilson, throws three picks or throws four picks, and the coaches wouldn't say boo. That, in part, led to the downfall of the Legion of Boom. Obviously, as we know, they split up for different reasons. But in doing that, in splitting up, the team was still able to stay afloat and still be competitive because of Russell Wilson. And he has grown into the leader. He has grown into the face of the franchise. He has grown into the reason why Seattle now, again, is winning games, winning the division, and making the playoffs. So it would be in Seattle's worst interest to trade. I don't care what the offer is. Just like the Houston Texans situation. It's in Houston's worst interest to trade a guy like Sean Watson. Now, I don't think they have a choice. They did it to themselves. But you said the same thing about Seattle. And this goes back to the question I always bring up, and I don't understand it. So maybe if you're out there and you feel differently, you can explain to me why. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show, also on Twitter. Why would teams now, again, purposely ignore what their franchise quarterback is saying when it comes to making the team better. What benefit does that have? It's a copycat league. So if you want to say, oh, no one's ever done that before, well, Tom Brady just did it in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady went to a new team, and you know what? Bruce Arians put his pride to the side, took a step back. Jason Light put his pride to the side, took a step back. Those three, instead of having the dynamic, or the, the general manager picks the players, the coach coaches them, and the players just play. The dynamic in Tampa Bay was the quarterback, the coach, the GM. All three of those guys are going to work together. All three of those guys are going to consult on decisions. And together, the trio will make decisions based on team personnel, who to bring in, based on scheme, what plays work best here. Hey, Tom, what are you feeling? What do you like here? Tom, you comfortable with the deep ball? Tom, you comfortable with this play call? How about... This philosophy, you like this? And that eventually led to a Super Bowl being hoisted for the Buccaneers. So if you're Aaron Rodgers in Tampa Bay, and now specifically if you're Russell Wilson in Seattle, you see 
a player of that caliber having input where the team listens, it works. Why wouldn't you want to do the same? The, the players deserve it. I don't understand why the coaches and the GMs wouldn't want to do it. Again, how you ruin a team is with three different philosophies, one by the general manager, one by the head coach, one by the, with the quarterback. All three are conflicting with each other. That is seemingly what is happening right now in Seattle. Pete Carroll fires Brian Schottenheimer as the offensive coordinator. Well, you know who was not happy about that? Russell Wilson. He didn't believe Brian Schottenheimer was the issue. He didn't believe the play calling was part of the problem. Pete Carroll wanted to go in a different direction with the offense. Seemingly a direction Russell Wilson does not want to go in. And he voiced his frustration. He was the offensive line as a veil, but he voiced his frustration not about just the offensive line, but the way the franchise is run and really the lack of willingness to hear out their franchise guy, their face of the franchise. And now guess what? The Seahawks potentially could be in the same boat as the Texans. Potentially. Because Russell Wilson now, according to reports, is already starting to broach trade um, discussions with Seattle. There have been a few teams being named. We just talked about last week. There's a, there's a price that started to been floating around. Remember, again, when this all first broke, Seattle came out and defiantly said, we are not trading Russell Wilson. Don't even think about it. Well, a third of the league is in call, according to Mike Silver, and those teams that have called have gathered that, yeah, the price could start around three first-round picks. You're not giving a price. You're not even giving a hint of a price to a team calling if you were dead set on not trading Russell Wilson, right? If there's an item you love, whatever it is, a valuable, a keepsake, a memento, and someone, you know, one of your friends today comes over and says, oh, man, I love that baseball. Or, man, I love that poster you have. If you were dead set on not getting rid of it, you would say, yeah, it's cool. And if your friend goes, hey, you know, you like it, like you want to get rid of it, you say no. You wouldn't listen to what, you know, your friend has to offer. Oh, I'll give you 500 bucks for it. If it truly meant the world to you, if you truly weren't interested in selling it, you wouldn't even hear a price. 50 bucks, 100 bucks, you wouldn't listen to it. Or if you do, you wouldn't give any sort of Hints, I all, you know, yeah, maybe if I was to sell it, I'll start, you know, uh, maybe I guess like $300. Prices now are starting to come out about Russell Wilson, which means the thought of the Seahawks trading Russell Wilson is starting to become more and more and more likely. And now again, Quarantine Athletic, Michael Sean Duggar, Mike Sando, Jason Jenks. Russell Wilson's camp has broached trade destinations with the Seahawks. Dolphins, Jets, Saints, Raiders have been mentioned. Some people in the NFL, this report continues, think a trade could happen, quote, in the near future. My goodness gracious. So here's what we'll do. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, what team should be in the market for a Russell Wilson trade? Who should be making a call? Who should be getting on the horn and saying, we need Russ here? So we'll do that next to finish off the show. It is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
the big question that Clash asked it, and we will ask it as well. Should I stay or should I go? That is what Russell Wilson is asking himself right now. And according to reports, according to The Athletic, that question is getting seriously pondered because trade discussions, trade possibilities have been, uh, been had between Russell Wilson and the organization. There's even been some names tossed around here by Russell Wilson's camp. The Dolphins, the Jets, the Saints, the Raiders have been mentioned. So not still definitive that Russell Wilson will get traded. But his camp has broached, started introductory discussions about possible trade destinations with Seattle. Now, important to remember here, before we get going on this and, and you know, kind of dive deeper into this. Russell Wilson, similar to Deshaun Watson, has a no-trade clause. So he can control where he ends up. If he wants to go to the Dolphins, the Raiders, the Jets, he can go wherever he wants to go, corner the market himself, and essentially force his way to whatever team he wants to go to because he can just veto the other 31 trades, trade offers. So Russ has the power, similar to Deshaun Watson right now, of not only trying to force a trade, but forcing a trade where he wants to go to. So a few things here. Number one, we'll start from the Seattle perspective. The C- right now, right now, in terms of dysfunction, right? We talked about the Steelers a little bit in terms of dysfunction. We talked about the Eagles. I am sorry, not the Eagles, the Seahawks in themselves about dysfunction because Russell Wilson wants one thing. They are not listening to him and in some cases doing the opposite of what he wants. So right now, if you have a hierarchy of dysfunction, number one, by far and away, is the Texans, right? Their owner, Cal McNair, essentially single-handedly drove Deshaun Watson out of town or is driving because they didn't get it actually technically traded. So he is driving Deshaun Watson out of town. Deshaun Watson has demanded a trade. He's not picking up any of the calls uh, the Texans are making. He has no indication right now from reports of playing in Houston in 2021. He'll even go as far as to sit out the year. So that relationship is done. And that's nothing of uh, Deshaun Watson's doing. That is the organization themselves essentially screwing themselves by not listening to what Deshaun Watson is doing. Instead, doing the opposite. Almost, it, it feels like spiting Deshaun Watson at, at times. Um, and that has led to a very bad relationship and one that he no longer wants to continue down there in Houston, despite signing that contract extension back in September. Okay, so you really, it's tough to beat that in terms of dysfunction rankings. The Eagles, to me, are number two. Because how they handle this entire Carson Wentz situation has been flat-out embarrassing. Carson Wentz helped single-handedly lead this team to the playoffs in 2019. Has a tremendous December. They barely get in there. Obviously, he gets hurt. He has a concussion in the first quarter. They lose to the Seahawks. What happens? They decide to draft a quarterback, Jalen Hurts, in round two heading to the 2020 season. They keep on insisting it's not going to affect Carson Wentz. It's not going to impact him. We just want to have a good backup. In case he gets hurt, we want to be prepared. We're a quarterback factory here in Philly. So we want to be prepared. Air on the side of caution. And as we know, what happened? Carson Wentz went in the tank. Now, how much had to do with the Jalen Hurts draft pick? How much had to do with the coaching? There's a lot of factors going to the demise of Carson Wentz in 2020. But I can tell you this. I can guarantee you this. The drafting of Jalen Hurts did not help the situation at all. So now you have a franchise quarterback who was going to be the MVP in 2017 if he didn't get hurt 
who did help lead at least at least set the table for Nick Foles to come in there and lead them to the Super Bowl. Um, you paid him the big contract. You said he's going to be the guy. You traded draft assets, to draft capital to draft or to trade up to draft Carson Wentz going from going up to number two. And then because of your own doing, partially Carson Wentz's fault, but because of your own doing, you alienate Wentz. You help expedite his, his exit out. And he forces a trade. And you drive down the market yourself in part because now you're trying to sell an asset coming off the worst career year and one of the worst years a quarterback had in 2020. So the Eagles, because a lot of this falls on themselves for how they handled the entire, how they handled the entire win situation. To me, they could be blamed for getting pennies on the dollar for a guy with MVP potential still in Carson Wentz. Well, the Texans take a uh, step down. The Eagles take a step down because right now, Number one, sliding in number one, if, if, now this is a big if. Now this is not, this report is not saying Russell Wilson has been traded. This report is not saying he's demanding a trade. This All this is saying is Russell Wilson's camp has broached trade destinations with the Seahawks. But if this was to go down, if Russell Wilson does eventually ask for a trade, does force his way out, and the Seahawks acquiesce, and they say, you know what, we're going to trade you. They will jump up to number one. They will surpass the Texans in terms of the most dysfunctional and flat out, and frankly, the stupidest organization in the NFL. Without a doubt. Without a doubt in the world. If they trade Russell Wilson, they are the tops for the most dysfunctional, dumbest, stupidest, whatever adjectives you want to use there. That will be the Seattle Seahawks in number one. Because what you don't do is trade a franchise guy in his prime, the main reason why you are still winning games. For what? Honestly, for what? Even if it's, let's say, for example, if you trade him to the Jaguars, let's just say for argument's sake, and it's Trevor Lawrence, you get number one, plus a bunch of other picks. There's no guarantee Trevor Lawrence can reach the level Russell Wilson has reached already. He's a top three quarterback in the NFL. He is a top three, without a doubt, quarterback in the NFL. So to get rid of him, still at his peak, this is not Big Ben where he's 39 years old, his play is declining, and you're trying to move on. This is Russell Wilson, 32 years old, MVP first half of the season. After the wheels came off the second half. But this is a guy you hit your wagons to, you don't get rid of. That's why this, the Seahawks, if they were able, if they do for whatever reason decide to trade Russell Wilson, I don't care how many picks it is. Ten first round picks. I don't care. There's no guarantee you were getting a player anywhere close to the caliber of Russell Wilson. And there's no guarantee, even if with those ten uh, first round draft picks hit, they're all different positions, that the sum of those draft picks will equal what Russell Wilson brought to the Seahawks. I'll say this again. I said it just last segment. When Carson Wentz was traded to the Colts last week, Field Yates of ESPN put out this tweet. With the Carson Wentz trade, that means zero quarterbacks drafted in the first round between 2009 and 2016 are on the same team right now that currently drafted them. It's not easy to find a franchise guy. It's not easy to replace the face of the franchise with another quarterback. It's not easy to draft a quarterback. It's not easy to... Revive a quarterback's career that maybe didn't start out well. The Seahawks have what 
a handful of other teams have, but everyone else wants. A bona fide stud quarterback. And the Seahawks could fall right in the same trap as the Texans, where they'll be forced to give him away because of their own doing. Because they didn't want to listen to Russ. They didn't want to hear his input when it comes to team development, when it comes to offensive scheming and game planning and play calling and player selection. Could you imagine? Like, honestly, if you're a Seahawks fan, if you're just an NFL fan, I'll put it this way. Would you rather have John Schneider and Pete Carroll? Or would you rather have Russell Wilson? Because that's essentially what's happening here. If Russell Wilson is traded... The front, office tell, the front office is telling you, I'd rather have John Schneider and Pete Carroll on board than Russell Wilson, the actual player. Is any Seahawks fan signing up for that? Hell no. And if you were, I'm checking into a mental institute because that, that, that's concerning. You always get the player. The player can make the players around him better, and that's what Russell Wilson has done. And it's also way harder to find a guy of Russell Wilson's caliber. So sure, you can maybe give the Seahawks credit. They found Russell Wilson later in the draft. They were the ones who developed, and they'll do it again. I mean, as we've seen, again, zero quarterbacks taken in the first round from 2009 to 2016 on the current team. If it was easy, everyone would do it. If it was easy to find a quarterback, identify, draft him, develop him, make him into a top-five player, every single team will do it. And right now, the Seahawks have that, and they are blowing it. So if I'm the NFL, if I am any team, because it's similar to the Deshaun Watson market, really, almost every team should be involved. If I'm any team outside of, let's say, the Chiefs, the Chiefs, uh, I'll put the Buccaneers in there. You're not going to give it up Tom Brady. Reluctantly, I put the Bills in there. There's about maybe four or five teams that could sit there and say, oh, we're good. We don't need Russ. We're good with what we got. At least 25 other NFL teams should be calling right now, John Schneider and Pete Carroll saying, how much? And whatever the price to say, deal. Honestly, if I'm a team right now, and obviously you have to have Russell Wilson's approval because he has a no-trade clause, but if, if you are a team where Russell Wilson wants to go to, and you call up Seattle, and they say the price is five first-round picks. You say, okay. There's no negotiating. There's no back and forth. There's no, oh, what about this? Or what about that? I'm giving up whatever it takes. Because that is something that it, it's an, almost an impossible commodity to find. And once you have it, you don't want to let go of it. And right now, the Seahawks potentially could be letting go of that rare commodity because pride is getting in the way. Because they don't want to listen to the quarterback they feel the general manager is the one who makes the decisions and the coach is the one who makes the decisions, not the quarterback. And Russell Wilson said, all right, fine, I'll go somewhere else. Tom Brady left, had success. Russell Wilson, I mean, uh, Deshaun Watson right now, flexing his muscles, he eventually will be traded. I don't care what the Texans are saying, uh, Deshaun Watson is going to get traded. Players have more and more and more power. If they choose to use it, they can get what they want. Russell Wilson is looking around the league and saying, a guy of my stature, I deserve to have more say. I deserve, deserve to have more power. And he is right. He is 100% right. So right now, some of the teams named the Dolphins, the Jets, the Saints, the Raiders. 
as potential landing spots. Again, 25 teams at least should be calling the Seattle right now and saying, how much? Once the price is named, I'm in. That is how good Russell Wilson is. That's how much he changes the fortunes of so many teams around the league to make them legitimate Super Bowl contenders today. Just by his addition on the team. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Ryan Hickey Show. Didn't really expect to talk Russell Wilson for the second half of the, uh, the show, but man, the quarterback carousel. And I, it's funny too, before the Lakers <clears throat> uh, got blown out yesterday and decided to leave the show with the Lakers, I was going to do a topic about how yet again the NFL quarterback situation, despite you know all the quarterback carousel hype that we had this year um, leading into the offseason, but all the, the actual quantity of quarterbacks that are free agents and available, how you look at the actual quality, there's not that many. And it's going to be another situation where plenty of teams are going to be needing a quarterback but don't have the options to get a, a legitimate franchise guy this offseason. Well, maybe add another one to the mix. Maybe throw Russell Wilson in there. And that definitely makes the pot a lot more juicier if you are in need for a quarterback. So again, that would do it for this edition of Ryan Hickey Show. Really appreciate all of you tuned in. Thank you so much to Andrew Filippone for calling in from Pittsburgh. We got his perspective on, on Big Ben comeback uh, for the Steelers in 2021. He hates it. Thanks to the Steelers just uh, delaying the inevitable. So enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Stay sane. We'll, we'll see how this Russell Wilson trade talks go. Maybe, who knows, we'll be talking about a new team that he's on on Monday. But we will be back on Monday. So enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Stay sane. We'll talk to you on Monday right here as we always do on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.